Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Hey, we haven't met yet. Uh, my name is Jono. It's a real privilege to, uh, to share this morning. Who knows a change is as good as a holiday? Who's like, no, that's not true at all, Jono. Well, we're saying it. We're esteeming it as true so that maybe you'll feel like you've had a little bit of holiday uh, while you're here. But um, it, it was great this morning. We're actually, we're starting a new series called Colliding Worlds. Uh, and I'm going to get straight into it. Colliding Worlds, the, the premise uh, is that the physical world is not the only world out there, right? That, that we live in, in a world in which there is the physical and there is the spiritual and the two are interlinked. That, that what happens in the physical uh, is, is profoundly influenced by what happens in the spiritual, and that actually what happens in the spiritual is influenced by what we do in the physical. Uh, and, and it was interesting, you know, uh, a, a Sunday in which we decided to, to start on a series talking about, about this sort of thing, about spiritual warfare effectively, uh, in a new venue. Who, who knew that we were, we, were playing, we were playing with fire a little bit? We're like, hey, God, let's go all in, right? Like, let's see. Let's see what happened. If, if something's going to break, something's going to break. And a few things broke. Uh, number one being our truck, which is one of the important things that doesn't break because all of these things live in the truck. So we were having some, some ideas of like, hey, what would it look like to have an acoustic service, right? For some reason, there's like three or four timpani drums around the back. We're like, yeah, we could play some, some of those. It'd be, it'd be great. I'd just shout at you. I've got a loud voice. I do it anyway, just into a microphone instead. Uh, and, and so we were excited. We we're like, hey, cool. But, but you know what? I think it's, um, it's really important that we acknowledge that, that there is a spiritual world, and, and that even as we come together, I don't know, maybe you found it hard coming to church this morning, maybe it was a breeze, I don't know, but that actually as we push into God, as we choose to say, hey God, I want to be aware of what's going on in my world around me, that, that, that we would know that that's not a place that the enemy wants us to be in, that actually if we could just be naive and carrying on as if everything's fine and, and not uh, opposing anything that comes against us, not esteeming the things that we should esteem, that that's a weak place for us to be in. And so I believe as a church this morning, we're stepping into a position of strength. Uh, and, and I just wanted to, to esteem the, the team today because we are here, we are gathered together because people have put in a whole bunch of sacrifice. I hope that, that this morning, I don't know how loved you feel, I would like you to feel a little bit more love than you currently do because there are a bunch of people who got up very, very early to put this together for you, who overcame a bunch of obstacles because they wanted to make sure that you could be in an environment in which you could meet with God corporately, in which you could be in an environment in which the Word is preached uh, and, and God God speaks to us. That's good, yeah? That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, can you give a, a team a hand one more time? It's so good. So good. You know, and, and so talking about this idea of colliding worlds, one of the things that we really wanted to talk into is, is so often in the Bible, uh, it's re we refer to the kingdom of heaven. Who's heard of the, that phrase, the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, and, and we refer to it often as this kind of one day reality, this one day eventuality, that, that one day the kingdom of heaven will be established, but we just got to put up with here and now for a while until it does. But, but the Bible doesn't actually speak of it in that way. The, the Bible speaks of the kingdom of heaven as a current reality. That the kingdom of heaven is, is being established not just one day in eternity, but here and now. That it's forcefully advancing. That, that violent people take hold of it. And, and so the question we're asking in the series is, how do we live pushing into heaven now? Right? Who knows that, that hell can be a real thing on earth? Let's get real, real quick, yeah? Like, let's just go into it. That there can be suffering, that there can be moments where we're like, man, this is something of a picture of, of destruction and pain now. And, and so as much as that can come about on its own, 
or as a result of our mistakes, we can actually partner with God in bringing something of heaven to earth now and establishing something in the kingdom of heaven. And that's part of what we are called to do as people of faith. If you're taking notes uh, this morning, I'm going to read the Bible in a second, but if you're taking notes, my sermon is titled, Spirits, Storms, and Swine. That's uh, some good alliteration there, right? That's an A-plus sermon already. That's um, most of what you get marked on in sermon writing class is how good is your title. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to an interesting story found in Mark chapter 5. I'm reading from the NLT translation. We're going to read from verses 1 to 20. If you know your Bibles, uh, you know that we're we're, we're going there. We're we're going straight to some, some fun times. It says this. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put in chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. They called him Etu. That was a joke, because Etu's very strong. Uh, Day and night, not that Etu is possessed by demons, right? We're not saying that, Etu. We're just saying it very strong. Day and night, some people are like, wow, what's he? They didn't call it. That's not in, that's not in my NLT translation. Get back to the Bible. Come on, guys. It's only like we're one minute into preaching. It's, come on. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. He's not Etu, right? Etu doesn't howl. Uh, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. And they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell him everything the Lord has done and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he had told them. Why don't you bow your heads with me one more time and let's pray. God, I thank you for, for these moments as we gather together. God, as we turn to your scriptures, as we, as we lean in and, and, and expect that you're gonna speak to us, I pray that it would not be my ideas, that it would not be my words, that it wouldn't even be my voice, but, but that this morning your voice would go out. God, that you would speak to us, that you would speak to hearts and minds, that as we engage with, with some big topics, with some things that maybe come with some baggage for some people, that, that your freedom would be in this room. God, that, that your voice would be in our hearts, that, that we would, we would uh, interpret Scripture in the guidance and, and in trust of, of your Holy Spirit, that you would be with us, ministering in this room beyond the words that are said, that you would be speaking to hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so like I said, right from the top, we kind of get straight into it, don't we? Like the, the passage starts, Jesus gets out of the boat and he's met by a, a, a man possessed by an evil spirit. 
So kind of what the Bible is saying is, is Jesus has a fairly standard Monday morning. No one else has, has my Monday mornings, right? You like get up and, and you, you, go, you get out of bed and you, a kid jumps on your face and you're like, oh, wow. And, and kind of you just go about the day and, and one thing after another you encounter and you're like, man, this is, this is a day. Has anyone ever had one of those days? Anyone ever had like, most days one of those days? Like, yeah, that, sounds, that just doesn't sound like a Monday. That sounds like any day ending in the word day is, uh, is, is what that sounds like to me. Right, out of the boat and, and bam, demons, which is interesting. It's especially interesting because I, I think there's probably, when we, when we say something like that, th- there are two responses in the room, two typical responses. In fact, C.S. Lewis sums it up pretty well if we uh, put up the, the quote. C.S. Lewis has a quote. He says, the enemy loves the skeptic and the superstitious. And, and I think when we start talking about something like this, we love coming to church. We're like, yeah, preach about the love of God. Preach about the call on my life. Preach about, preach about those things. When we come in and we start thinking about, hey, there's a spiritual world and, and there are demons and, and there are things to be aware of. A bunch of us in the room are like, pardon? Did he say, did he say demons? A bit, bit antiquated, isn't it? Do we, do, we really, do we really believe in these sorts of things? Right, like, is, that, is that in anyone's head? Like, no, 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 of course not. It's all right, you can be honest. Because when I read it, I'm like, really, do we? Like demons, because demons is a thing that people used to believe in, right? Like, like demons is, is one of those things that, that you know, before we understood science and, and before we understood like epilepsy and, and mental health and, 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 you know, had an actual understanding of the world, we just was like, oh, that, that was a demon and, and that was a demon. That was, but now that we understand the world, we, we recognize that, you know, demons don't cause everything. Surely we're not, we're not still kind of, it's not, Jesus was speaking metaphorically. There was a metaphorical legion of demons inside the man. Is that what that means? Kind of have to bend the text a little bit to get there. But, but it's interesting because we look at it and we're like, oh man, is, is, is this really the view that we have of the world? This makes me kind of uncomfortable. Because if there are demons, do I have any demons? Are there, are there demons in my house? Well, where are the demons? Do you have a demon? Well, like it makes us a little bit uncomfortable if we're being honest, yeah? Like, oh, can, we, can we talk about, go back to the love of Jesus. Let's talk about grace. Let's talk about mercy. Let's talk about holiness again. I'll talk about Christian sex ethic. I prefer that. Let's talk about that. Let's go back to that one. That's much better than demons. Can we go off the, the demon talk, right? And I think we need to acknowledge that, that, that you know, church too easily pendulums throughout the decades from, from kind of ignoring things to, to potentially going too far into them. Like if we talk about some of the churches of the 80s and 90s, and maybe it was just the ones that I managed to visit. Maybe I had a, a great record of this. We'd go in and, and everything would be demonic, right? Everyone would have a demon. Everything would be like, ah, oh, the, the um, duct tape's not sticky enough, demon, right? Demons getting into the duct tape, it's uh, it's, it's hard, right? And, and, and we'd end up in this place where we'd be like, oh man, you know, if you're feeling sick, don't go to the doctor. It means you don't have faith. It's a demon, pray for it, right? You'd be suffering from, from mental health. You'd be like, oh no, don't, don't speak to a therapist. That means you don't have faith. It's a demon, let's pray for it. Which reminds me of a story. Can I share a story? Yeah, because I, I realize we're, I'm taking you on a roller coaster. We're going intense and then we're not intense. And you're like, what are we, where are we going? Just come with me, come with me. And you're like, is he, is he possessed by a demon? Reminds me of one of those old stories, right, of, of a man, a, a man stranded on a desert island. You probably have heard this story before. Uh, and he's stranded on this desert island, and we don't know how he got there. That doesn't matter for the story. Just suspend disbelief. He's stranded on this desert island, and he prays to God. He's like, God, I, I don't have any water. I don't have any food. If you don't save me from being stranded on this desert island, I'm going to die. I, I, I need your help. And, and, and so then along comes a canoe. And the man in the canoe is like, hey, you look like you're stranded on this desert island. Would you like to jump in my canoe? 
and, and I can take you back to shore. And the man's like, no, no, it's all right. I've prayed to God. God God's going God's gonna to come and save me. So but thank you for the very kind offer, but I'm, I'm all good, right? And so the man's like, okay, I can't force you into my canoe. So he canoes away. Uh, and, and, and a day goes by, and the man starts to get quite thirsty. Uh, and along comes a boat. And, and the people in the boat say, hey, looking a little bit worse for wear there. Would you like to jump in our boat? We can give you a ride back to shore. And the man said, no, no, it's all right. I've, I've prayed to God. God's going to save me. It's, it's all good. Thank you very much, though, but, but you're fine. And so they say, okay, and they go on their way. And, and, and another day passes, and the man's starting to get really, really dehydrated. And a helicopter comes, and it's, it, it lands on the island. And they're like, look, sir, you, you look very, very unwell. You need to get in this helicopter with me. He said, no, look, I've, I've prayed to God. God's going to come. God's going to save me. It's going to be fine. And so the helicopter leaves, and the man dies of dehydration. And, and at the pearly gates, which aren't a thing, but we're not talking about that today, right? So it just doesn't matter. For the purpose of the illustration, pearly gates. We're like, well, pearly gates, and I think another series. Uh, he, he arrives, and he, and he comes up to God, and he's like, God, what happened? Like, I prayed. I, I thought that you were going to save me from the desert island, right? And God's like, well, who do you thought sent the canoe, the boat, and the helicopter. And, and I think it's, you know, it's an it's a, it's a overdone illustration to, to acknowledge that and overly simplistic. But I think it acknowledges something, the reality of, of sometimes we can have this very one-dimensional aspect of faith of not realizing that, that God is in a whole lot of things, that, that everything is actually a spiritual issue, that every response against the, the brokenness of the world is, is spiritual, that the world is, is broken. And, and while we need to go, I actually... You know, we, we understand how these things come to be. We need to also acknowledge that, that the root reason that the world is broken is a spiritual reason. That the reason that the world is broken is, is that things are, are not the way that they should be. That God has given us tools to help us out here and now and using them as wise, but we do need to keep in mind why we have to use them. That the root cause of brokenness is sin and that Satan, the accuser, seeks to draw us more into sin, to, to bring more death and destruction and evil into the world. So everything is a spiritual, is a spiritual issue, right? So th th that means that every response against the brokenness of the world is spiritual. That, that seeing a therapist can be spiritual. That taking medication can be spiritual. But I also want to say it's only spiritual if we make it. Medication in and of itself is not a spiritual thing. But if every morning you take your medication for whatever it might be and you pray two prayers, God, help this medication to help me. God, if it's your will that, that this medication is, is how I, I live my life, then help this medication to help me. But God, also, if it's your will that today is the day that I'm miraculously healed, I don't put my faith just in medication. I'll take this, and every time I go to the doctor, God, I'm going to have the faith to believe that the doctor's going to say, hey, I don't think we need you on that medication anymore. Something's changed, and we don't know why. It's not an either or. We're not verses, right? We're not creating a false dichotomy or some sort of battle between God bringing us science and medical advances and, and faith. Instead, could we have faith in both? I don't mean faith in science, I mean faith in God working through science. That God, if this is the way that you, you want to work with me, then I don't understand why you're not going to heal me right now, but I'll have faith that one day you will, and in the, in the interim, help me to learn something in this process. A another example I would use is, is that of a, a surgeon and a physio. Some of you might have seen uh, Em this morning, she's, she's hobbling around a little bit, she's got a crutch. Uh, the reason for that is almost exactly coming up on two years ago, Em broke her ankle. Uh, and she broke it running after Ollie, and she broke it really quite, quite badly. So she needed um, surgery. She broke both the bones. Uh, and, and I've got a great photo of on Tuesday, they took the metalware out of her leg, right? We won't get into it too much because some people are squeamish in the room. Uh, but suffice to say, she had like a, 
a, a plate on one side and a bunch of bolts and then some bolts on the other side. She was kind of half, half woman, half cyborg. It was, it was a cool thing going on, right? Uh, and, and so one of the cool things about her having the surgery is it means we can start physio. I say we, I'm not really going to be involved in the physio. I'll just be like, yeah, that's some good stretching. Let me ask Ben if that's the right stretch. I can just ask any Ben. All Ben's are physios. It's, it's, a, handy, it's a handy part of the role. Uh, and, and so she can start physio, right? But when she first broke the bone, physio was not the appropriate response. When she first broke the bone, that the appropriate response was surgery, was going in there and immediately fixing the root cause and stopping any more damage to be done. But once that surgery had been done, she needed then to, she needs then now to start building up the muscles again, to start building up the capacity around that bone so that injury doesn't happen again. You know, sometimes in life we have spiritual causes that we need to address. And, and sometimes it's, it's a lie or it's demonic or, uh, oppression that we've partnered with or, or, or something like that. And we believe in, in a God that is bigger, that like in Mark chapter 5, that he would show up and no spirit can resist. But once we've prayed, sometimes there's a mess to be cleaned up. Right, once we've had an altar call and you've laid it all down, you said, God, this is, this is what I've got, and we've prayed for deliverance. Sometimes the bone has been fixed, but there's still muscles to be strengthened. There's still physio to be done. The cause has been addressed, but sometimes the flow-ons take time. Now, could God fix it all at once? Yes. You know, sometimes we have, we have those moments and we come down and we've got a whole lot of pain in our life and, and some, some bad coping mechanisms and some dysfunction and, and we come to an altar call and God heals it all in a moment. It's like, oh man, I, I had all of this stuff going on and I feel like God just took it away and I'm, I'm a new creation. And that's incredible. And every time I pray, I pray that that outcome would happen, right? Because let's shoot for the moon. But sometimes we pray and it's like, oh man, I feel like the lie is gone, but, but my, my thought patterns are still there and, and kind of I, I've ejected the lie, but... But me and my natural self, I've got these habits where I just open the door and the lie gets back in. Has anyone ever had that? You kind of pray for deliverance and, and then a couple of months go by and you're like, I feel like I need to be delivered from the same thing. Like I feel like I need to respond to the same obstacle. It can kind of be a little bit demoralizing, yeah? I thought we dealt with that, but, but here I am, I'm feeling the same thing back again. And, and we don't know why that sometimes it, it works like that. But what I do know is that sometimes in that journey, we learn things that God uses to, to bring good into the world. That if we're talking about establishing the kingdom of heaven, sometimes it's for the betterment of the establishment of the kingdom of heaven, that it's not just a one and done moment, but that God takes us on a journey, that we, we learn something in that journey, that, that as the Bible said, that which was intended for evil, God uses for our good. That sometimes it's not an instant transformation, but God is with us in the process, and the process ends up becoming, when we look back retrospectively, more valuable to us than a transformation ever would have been. You know, as I said, there's, there's two common responses. The first is the skeptic. Oh, I don't know if, if demons really exist. I don't, I don't know about this whole sort of thing. The, the second is the, the superstitious. Right? The, the, the skeptic isn't sure if it's, any of it's really a thing, and the superstitious sees it everywhere. Behind every bush, there's a demon. You know, some of us are like, do, do, we, do we really need to talk about this? Like, do we really need to speak about this stuff? And some of us are like, finally, finally he's talking about demons. I thought this church wasn't a spirit-filled church, right? I, I can name 23 different types of demons. Is there going to be a pop quiz? Let's go. I'm ready. Right, and I want to say, if we're in either one of those camps, if we're like, oh, I don't really think that the spiritual world is that big a deal. Like, I just think that Jesus is Jesus, and, and it's all fine, and, and, and you know, let's just, let's just leave it be. And if we're in the other camp of like, you know, there's, I was demonically oppressed today because my toast was a little bit too overdone. Either camp, we need to come into the middle, right? 
in, in either of those places, we need to realize that we are not skeptics, but we're also not superstitious. That we don't deny spiritual realities, but we also don't deny personal responsibility. Because demons are a great way to get off the hook, aren't they? No, no, I'm not angry. No, no, demonic, demonic force coming against me. And like sometimes it's yes and. Right, but someone's going to be like, no, 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 I, I, I don't have an issue with, with lust. Or I don't need to learn some self-discipline. Demon. No, no, I'm not greedy. I, I, don't, I don't have, you know, an infatuation with things, and I don't find my, my purpose and, and satisfaction in material wealth. No, no, it's, it's, it's a demon. And, and the reality is, is, is yes, because everything is spiritual. But, but often when we ascribe it to only being a demon, we void ourselves of any personal responsibility and we don't partner with God on what he's wanting to do. We're not superstitious in terms of we don't say that we don't have any responsibility or anything to do. You know, uh, Jack Hayford, who's, who's a, um, a famous preacher, has a great quote on this. He says, you can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. Right? In, in other words, a whole lot of people today can be focused on what we can do. Right, it's the flesh, it's the flesh. I gotta get more disciplined and, and I gotta work it out. I gotta put a plan together. And in some cases, yes, but in some cases there's also a spirit at work and we might need to put a plan together and we might need to pray for it. And then there's other of us who would say, no, no, it's a demon, right? You need deliverance, there's, there's no responsibility. And, and if we're in either one of those camps, we need to come into the middle. The, the question I wanna ask you today is, do you need deliverance or discipleship? And I also wanna give you the answer, yes. Do you need deliverance or discipleship? Yes, right, we need both. It's not an either and, there's a false dichotomy there. We need deliverance, we go to the next slide, and discipleship. We need surgery and physiotherapy, right? We need to address the root cause, we need to get rid of some of the things that we're under, and we need to learn some helpful ways of living so that we can get out from under it. You know, so many people can, can criticize the church and be like, oh man, there's too much self-help, and that can be the case, but often if we're just doing surgery and then we're not giving anyone like an after-surgery care plan, that's not great care. We're not looking after people well if we're just like, hey look, I've taken out your appendix, uh, there's, there's some, some stitches there, I don't know, you know, I, I guess you should be right, and, and it starts to get infected and it gets worse, and actually as a result, sometimes the, the flow-on effect of us trying to do good is we do more harm. Like, hey, do you realize you got a whole lot of spiritual oppression going on? The person's like, no, I, I didn't, and now I feel very scared. Right, instead we wanna partner with people, we wanna bring deliverance ministry where that's needed, and we wanna disciple people as well. We don't wanna just be self-help. Hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, here's 10 tips to live a more spiritual life, when actually the person needs someone to pray with them. We need both and, deliverance and discipleship, surgery and physio. You can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. So we need to disciple the flesh and cast out the demons. Now I wanna acknowledge that, that all of this can be pretty overwhelming, right? So, so I, I wanna remind us of, of some basics. Here we are in this story, to go back to the, the text, Jesus encounters a man possessed, which brings to mind a whole bunch of things. And, and some of us disassociate, if we're being honest. We, we look at it and we're like, and I've got some problems, but I'm not the man in Mark 5, right? Like, like he's, got, he's got a legion. Legion's like 6,000 demons. Br brother, brother has a legion of demons going on. I've got maybe one or two, right? Like I'm fine, this is not me. I'm not, this, I'm not the person in this story. I'm, I'm the disciples with Jesus. Right, I'm, I'm bringing transformation to the world, which is great. Let's, let's bring transformation to the world. But, but can we look past the cultural stuff that we bring to it to actually recognize not just, oh man, this man's got a whole lot of funky stuff going on, but what he's actually suffering from. If we, if we look at this man in this text, he's hurting himself and he's living in a dead place. 
I want you to start for a moment and think, is there anywhere in your life where, where you're bringing pain into your life through dysfunction? Right? Maybe you're a little bit on that skeptic side of the, the spectrum. You're like, no, no, it's just mistakes and stuff. Yeah, no, it can be just mistakes and stuff, but maybe there's a spiritual element to it too. That if everything is spiritual, maybe we can partner in some spiritual warfare and, and we can pray into some of this stuff that something else is going on here. You know, is there anywhere in life that you're, you're camped in dead places? You're staying in a place that doesn't bring life, that brings pain and suffering, but it's the place that you know, and so you stay in it. Maybe it's a thought pattern. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a, a repeated habit that's destructive in your life. You know, this, this word possessed, it, it, like I said, it, you know, it conjures to mind uh, horror movies and, and a bunch of unhelpful things that don't help our theology. And it's interesting because the Greek word uh, that's used here to describe demon-possessed people, it never actually uses the word possessed. Instead, it uses uh, a simple Greek verb that basically is the word demonized, right? And, and, and essentially what it says is possess implies loss of control and ownership. Yeah, like, oh, it's not me. I'm, I'm totally out of control. It's just this demon going on. But we need to recognize that if we're people of faith, if we have a relationship in God, if we've given our lives over to, to God, then we are His possessions, and that that trumps anything else. Instead, maybe think of it this way. Imagine you left your house. Maybe you don't have to imagine this. Maybe this is something that's happened to you. Maybe it happened to me all the time. Uh, you left your house, and you forgot to lock the door. Anyone quick show of hands? There's no burglars in the room, yeah? One time, I, I left my house, and I forgot to shut the garage. And then we drove home, and I was like, hey, our, our garage is open, and we've been out for like six hours. So luckily, I think the neighborhood just thought that we were in the house, because who would leave your house with the garage open, right? You'd be an idiot. But imagine you left your house and, and you left the door open. And who knows, if you've done that, if you've left your house open, a, a thief can enter the house, yeah? Now, when the thief is in the house, we also know that is still your house. The thief is in your house, but the thief does not own your house. But while the thief is in the house and you are not there, the thief has control of your house. And in fact, even if you get home, the thief could still have control of your house, even if you're there, until you bring the proper authorities to remove, to evict the thief from your house, right? To take them away. The Bible says that, that the enemy is, is a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and in our lives, we can often leave a door open that allows something destructive into us. Now, we have not lost control of our lives, but we can live in such a way that we are demonized, in which we are under oppression, in which something is affecting us, which isn't something that is meant to scare us. It's something that's meant to say, hey, is there something in my life that I need to eject? Is there something in my life that I need to partner with the proper authorities? And, and luckily, you happen to know the ultimate authority, right? And, and say, hey, actually, this needs to be gone from my life. This needs to go. You know, in, in 1 Timothy, Paul says, if you're proud, you fall into the trap of the devil. And in Ephesians, Paul says, if you're bitter, if you just hold a grudge, you fall under the influence of the devil. The devil, like I said, seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, to unmake and defile what God has made good. Paul is essentially saying, if we, if we look up here, that there are things in our life that we can do that make ourselves open to the evil that seeks to destroy the good that God has made that we live in colliding worlds, that there are things that we can do in our regular, seemingly mundane physical lives that can have profound spiritual consequences, that we need to eject the thief and close the door, that it's deliverance and discipleship, surgery and physio, which seems really simple, but life isn't. It seems great to put this up and be like, hey, there's things that we can do. 
anyone under spiritual oppression? Let's deal with it. And then we get into life, and, and life is, is messy and big and much more complex than this. Which luckily, this is reflected in the, in the wider story. C- can we jump back into the story? Is that all right? You're still with me? Everyone feeling all right? Good. I know it's heavy. It's heavy. Maybe just take a breath. It will end in a good place, I promise, right? So back to our text. Jesus steps off the boat and he encounters a man possessed, right? And I said that the sermon was titled Spirits, Storms, and Swine because Mark didn't write chapter five on its own. It's preceded by Mark chapter four. And in Mark chapter four, Jesus says to his disciples, let's cross the Sea of Galilee, which is actually a lake, fairly confusing, thanks Jesus, to the, to the region of the Gerasenes. And and as they're crossing, a storm comes up and it almost sinks the boat. This is that storm that Jesus is asleep in the boat for. Yeah, we're all, you know, like, I remember that storm, it's that one. There's a few storms that are in, they they cross this lake a few times. Uh, and, And I wonder, doesn't that feel a little bit more like life? Right, like you're pursuing freedom. You're moving out into, into making some sort of difference in the world and making some sort of difference in your life and, and finding some sort of freedom. But before you can even get to the deliverance, life throws a storm at you and all of a sudden you've forgotten all about the spiritual stuff and it's all you can do to keep afloat. You're like, oh man, I really, I need to develop some spiritual disciplines in my life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start really, you know, my quiet time's gonna get better. I'm gonna start attending church on a regular basis. We make these amazing proclamations. Like, oh, I just need to get things in the right order. 2021's the year. It's when it's happening. And then we start trying to do it and all of a sudden life starts happening. I hate the fact that we make uh, resolutions in the summer holiday. We've got all the space in the summer holiday. We're like, yeah, I can do that. I can read, I'm going to do shred, right? Shred, for those of you who don't know, you read the Bible in a month. Like, yeah, I can do this. I can read the Bible for two hours a day. It's easy peasy. I've got tons of time. And then halfway through shred, you start back at work again. You're like, who ever thought that I had any time to spare? What a crazy summer, Jono, right? But before the man ever gets to Jesus, a storm opposes Jesus crossing the lake. Jono, that's a bit, that's a bit super spiritual, isn't it? The storm didn't oppose Jesus. The storm, you know, life, there are just storms in life. Not every storm is like a spiritual thing. Not every time it rains is it a demon, like sometimes climate, like it just happens. But it's interesting because Jesus rebukes the storm. Jesus stands up and he speaks against it. He rebuked it. And Jesus doesn't rebuke natural elements. He rebukes demons. And so the inference that we can build is that the same demonic oppression that was oppressing the man was in the sea trying to stop Jesus to get to the man. You know, I think some of the things, if we put this up on the, on the screen, some of the things in life that we roll with, we should rebuke. Some of the things in life, we're like, oh, this is just the way that it is. It's just when we start a series on, on you know, spiritual realities, the truck just breaks. It just happens, right? Like, huh. Just things. Yeah, trucks do just break. But also, when we try and take ground, sometimes there's pushback. Sometimes there's opposition. And opposition doesn't need to demoralize us. Instead, I believe opposition can make us indignant, excited even. Right? Oh, a storm. Oh, the, the, good. We're heading in the right, the right direction, right? Oh, the, the, the kids are, are harder than normal to get to church today, right? Oh, the kids didn't sleep Saturday night. Em and I find every time that I'm preaching a sermon, especially where it's a sermon that I really feel like it's moving something forward, because like, do you know who wants to wake up every hour on the hour? We do. It's a party, right? Now, now it's just, it happens too frequently, Right, I'm not preaching kids sleep through the night. I am preaching, they're up, right? They don't know what's going on. They're not planning anything. They're on my side. Ollie's a big fan. 
Harriet doesn't really know what's going on, but she loves everything, right? They're not coming out with any sort of plan. There's a spiritual reality going on that some things in life, storms aren't just storms. Now, that doesn't mean that we're afraid of them, but it does mean that we can speak to them. No, this is not what's happening. I see you coming against me, enemy. I see this opposition coming up. I'm not gonna be derailed. I'm not gonna be distracted. I'm pushing forward for what's happening because nobody attacks what isn't valuable, yeah? Nobody comes against what, what isn't valuable. See, are you encountering a storm in your life? Maybe that means that it's time to push in because what's on the other side of your storm? Rebuke it and keep sailing. Who knows the freedom for you and for others that you'll find in your faithfulness if you just keep on going. So Jesus gets to the other side and he meets this man and the demons in him beg that Jesus puts them into the pigs. And, and, and I'm almost done. In fact, I'll, I'll get uh, the, the keys, the, the whole band can come up. But I wonder, have you ever felt bad for the pigs? Anyone like a, was a tender-hearted kid reading the, the children's Bible like me? Yeah, and you'd read it and, and your dad would just kind of gloss over and be like, yeah. And then uh, Jesus said the demons could go on the pigs and all the pigs drowned. And so moving on to Mark 6, you'd be like, wait, dad, what happened to the, what, what did the pigs do wrong? Poor pigs. 2,000 of them. The poor, in fact, uh, Nick Buick who here knows Nick Buick? He's a good friend of ours. He shares this opinion. He, he sent me uh, this little Christian meme, which who knows Christian memes are the best types of memes, right? These are all the animals that, uh, that Jesus uh, interacts with. Can everyone see that? So you've got, you've got the camel there. He's going to bear him gifts. The donkey's going to carry him. Fish, going to pay him taxes. Uh, who's looking for some fish? Uh, the, you know, there's a cow going to quench his thirst. There's a dove going to bless his baptism. I'll warm him. I'll feed him. And then the pig's like, yeah, yeah, and I'll let him fill me with demons, and then I'll jump off a cliff. And uh, wait, what? Well, that poor pig. All the other animals in the Bible story got great parts, and the pigs get filled with demons. So, you know, sometimes in life you're the donkey, sometimes in life you're the pig. That's not true. None of you are pigs. But, but I think it's interesting because we just kind of read this and we're like, oh, yeah, I guess you've got to put the demons somewhere, right? 6,000 demons, 2,000 pigs, math works out. But, but why, did, why did the demons want to go into the pigs? Because they ask. They're like, no, no, could, could you please put us into the pigs? Right, like, please, if you have to eject us from this man, don't send us some distant place, the Bible says, they say. Put us into these, these pigs. See, I, like I said, I titled the sermon, Spirits, Storms, and Swine. Spirits, because deliverance is coming to this man. Storms, because opposition to his freedom is whipped up. And swine, because the demons realize that if they can't have this man, they make a ploy to rob the town of their freedom. See, they went into the pigs and they made the pigs drown because the demons know two things. They know, number one, pigs can't swim. Everyone knows that. And they know, number two, what do the demons know that we don't know? They knew that this was a Gentile region. That's why there are pigs in the first place. Other side of the Sea of Galilee, there's no pig farmers because you don't eat pigs because pigs are unclean. But here we are in a Gentile region, in the region of the Decapolis, in this place of the Gerasenes. And, and pig farming here was a big industry, was one of the main industries. And I think the demons understood that the people in this region cared more about the pigs than they did the man. If they could have voted what was going to happen, if the demons could have stayed in the man or could have gone into the pigs, they would have said, keep it in the man, the pigs are worth far more. In fact, 2,000 pigs, this represents a significant part of the portfolio of these pig owners. And in current days, these pigs would be worth around about $2 million. $2 million worth of pigs. See, the animal will cry and keep you in bondage through storms and swine, through distraction and destruction. What does the enemy attack? Whatever you value most. In this case, for these people, it was the pigs. But he'll attack anything to get you to send Jesus away. 
Because just like this man, what is really valuable for you is your relationship with God. What is really valuable for you is your, is your relationship with the author and the perfecter of life and our faith. But the enemy knows that if he can get people to offend you, you'll send Jesus away just like the people did. That if he can attack you and your emotions, you'll send Jesus away just like the people did. If he can make you feel ashamed, you'll send Jesus away. If he can make your life too chaotic, you'll stop prioritizing Jesus and you'll send Jesus away. He knows how to keep you bound. See, I wanna say life gets busy and I get that, but so often our response is life gets busy, so we stop coming to church. We start feeling down, so we stop going to e-group. When in life might you be doing the opposite of which is helpful? Sending away Jesus because of the pigs. You know, so I think it's interesting, since they couldn't stay in the man, the demon's plan was to go into the pigs so that Jesus would be sent away. Jesus gets the man and the demons get the town. They think they've got it one. And you might think, well, then why did Jesus let the demons go into the pigs? He says, yeah, sure thing, right? Was Jesus outplayed? Did the demons win this? Did they get one up on? But, but as the crowd is driving Jesus away, something interesting happens. Verse 18 says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Understandably. And it's been like, you guys don't even care about me. I was living under this and you're more upset about some pigs than my life. Jesus, can I just come with you? These people are too much. Let me come with you. Let me get in your boat and come with you. But Jesus says, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. He looked back in the man and he said, you cannot come with me. You're needed here. We don't know what the man's life looked like. We don't know how he ended up possessed in those caves in that situation, but I think we can assume it was pretty bad. It's understandable that he would beg Jesus to, to take him with him, but he said, no, you stay here. You're free. Now share your freedom. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. If we continue, this is Mark 5 and Mark 7, Jesus returns to this region the region of the Decapolis, the 10 towns. It says in Mark 7, 31, then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis, same place. And it's in this region that in Mark 8, in the very area that he was driven away from, thousands of people show up to hear him preach. In fact, this is the story of the feeding of the 4,000s. The, the feeding of the 4,000s is when Jesus fed 4,000 Gentile people. 5,000, he feeds 5,000 Jewish people. That's the five loaves and two fish. In this account, he feeds 4,000 Gentile people and there are seven baskets left over. But he feeds them because thousands of people show up to hear him preach and they're listening to him for three days and no one leaves. They run out of food. They're there for so long that they start to starve. They start to go hungry. The same area in which he was driven away because of the pigs, people are now starving themselves to hear him preach. What changed? Could it be that a man who was once in bondage was freed and he went around his towns, the Decapolis, and he shared his freedom? that he went around and said from city to city, sharing a story that Jesus had come to him, that Jesus had encountered him and that he was freed. And that then when Jesus returned, he simply pointed to him and he said, you know the story I've been telling you, it was that man. That's the Jesus I was sharing with you about. That's the Jesus that bought me freedom. Come with me and find freedom. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 